Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey everybody, welcome to Kegolasso. This is a very special episode here, Kegolasso CBS Sports. As the North London Derby looms near Sunday, of course, we have a great, great episode with our very own James Bench and the Athletics' Jack Pitbrook as we discuss the state of both clubs, the realistic expectations, what is going on with Mikel Arteta and Uno Espirito Santo, and of course, the game itself on Sunday. Kegolasso begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso. First of all, thank you so much for following us. Follow Kego Lasso wherever you get your pods and leave us a rating and review. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And if you're watching this on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso, CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. All right, the North London Derby, a historically, culturally important derby in the Premier League, of course. And we have the very best to discuss. First of all, Let's welcome, of course, our very own James Bench. James, how are you, my friend? I'm very good, thanks. Buzzing to to chat about the most stressful uh, game of my season. <laughs> and I am buzzing to hear all about it. And a special guest today, very own Jack Pitt from The Athletic. He is a correspondent, a reporter, an insider, fantastic articles please follow him on twitter on social uh i devoured the one that he talked about the harry kane incident of course his intentions to leave Tottenham and how it didn't work out etc but you can follow him on twitter jack thank you so much for being here how are you man thank you so much for having me i'm really pleased to come on the show I am so excited. Uh, it's going to be fun. Well, I don't know. According to James Bench, maybe it might not be. It might be stressful, but may, we'll try and make it as fun as possible. Um, all right, let's begin, everybody, to discuss about the state of this cl- of both clubs. And I guess my first question, and I'm going to throw it to you first, James, uh, but, but it's the same question to Jack. But when we're thinking about the supporters of each side, Tottenham and Arsenal, James, which set of supporters, supporters should be the most worried when it comes to think about the state of this club? I hate to begin in such a looming way, but there, it is the realism in which we face. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Jack knows Tottenham far better than I, so I'm sure he'll be able to talk a bit more about them uh, or a lot more about them. I mean, briefly, I would sort of say from their side, I feel like there is the still that short-term window um, based around Harry Kane still being at the club, Hyungmin Son being one of the, the best forwards in, in world football. And, you know, there is that, there's the real talent for now there that maybe a team like Arsenal don't have anymore. Um, you could make the except you could make the argument that some of their young talent is already there, but, you know, for Arsenal right now, the, the cause for optimism is, is the, is the future rather than the present. You know, they've been ambitious in, in their spending and they've bought young players who they hope, and it's still hope at the moment, who they hope will grow together and become the core of a, a top force team at least. But right now, I mean, you look at it and you go, you, you know, <laughs> combined 11s in the North London derby have a tendency to backfire. But if you were doing a combined 11 of the North London derby, I think you would probably say that Spurs have some of the more battle-worn and 
you know, the, the players that, that are at a slightly higher level right now, but maybe that, that comes at the cost of their future. I mean, we'll see. Okay, so let's discuss, first of all, you know, the present, I guess, and the reality of where both these clubs are. Obviously, Tottenham started well, and then uh, back-to-back 3 nothing losses in Arsenal. We know the story, of course, about how Arteta is still looking to find the right formula. I, I, I guess my first question is to both of you is, which set of supporters should be the most worried when it comes to the state of their respective clubs? Uh, let's begin with you, James. What do you think? So I think... In the short term, I mean, I'll let Jack take the lead on Tottenham. He knows them them much better than I. In the short term, there's cause to be worried about Arsenal in that they may not get the results that a team of their standard expects. There are not world-class players dotted across this team, as there were maybe only five years ago when you had players like Sanchez, Ozil, even Lauren Koscielny. You know, this is a... It's a it's a team that that is starting something afresh and that has been putting that off for too long, putting it, giving out big money to players in the hope that they could get them across the line from fifth to fourth, and that everything could start again with Champions League money. So right now, you know, <laughs> combined 11s don't have a great history in the North London derby. Um, they can certainly backfire, but I think if you were doing one, you would say that the current talent it, it's really heavily towards Spurs. I would say, you know, with the likes of Kane, Son, even someone like Hoiberg in midfield. But at least with Arsenal, there's a sense that the future might be bright, that there's a real plan for something that they've obviously spent £150 million in the summer on players who are all younger than 23 that they hope will grow together. The initial signs are mostly pretty promising, you know, from Ramsdale, White, people like Gabriel they've bought before, and obviously Pakayo Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe. You know, that's, that's where you're feeling positive about Arsenal's future. But this is, you know, this is... a Arsenal Football Club, isn't it? The future is only good enough for so much. And, you know, fans of this team rightly expect progress in the present that hasn't always been apparent yet. Yeah, I think I'd agree with James that Tottenham's situation looks rosier right now than Arsenal's. Clearly, they have lots of high-level players at the moment, even if that's not always immediately apparent watching them play. But Kane, Son, Dombele, Lacelso, Dyer, Lloris... These are experienced guys who have played to a high level for a while. Um, in terms of the, in terms of future prospects, I think one advantage that Tottenham have over Arsenal is probably expertise. You know, I think we can't really have any trust at all, unfortunately, in the Arsenal board to want to win, to know how to win, to push in the right direction. Um, the Tottenham board divides fans certainly, and Daniel Levy, I think, is you know, there's lots of legitimate criticisms to be made of Daniel Levy, but. I do think he has the interest of Tottenham more at heart than the Cronkies do with Arsenal. And I think that in Fabio Paratici, the new managing director of football who arrived this summer, Tottenham have someone with more expertise about how to build a winning club than, say, anyone, an equivalent figure at Arsenal. I mean, Edu comes in with you know his own track record at Brazil, but he's got a fairly... Uh, questionable time at the club so far. So I'd say Spurs fans could be slightly more optimistic. That said, clearly the situation of both clubs is worse than it was a few years ago. And making that gap up to the richer teams like City and Liverpool and Chelsea and Manchester United is a big job. So staying with that in the search of uh, the trajectory, so to speak, what would you say, you know, the importance, I guess, and probability 
of reaching Europe. Obviously, still early in the season. We're only talking in September. But as we look to see other clubs that are looking to break in as well and climb up that table, James, uh, and again, Jack, obviously, as well, from a Tottenham perspective, what's the importance and probability, do you think, of Arsenal at this point reaching Europe? It's a fiddly one with the league because if you look at it, logically that they've really only lost three points you might have expected them to get at home to Brentford you know I mean the way they lost to City and and Chelsea was really dispiriting for their fans but they all all their fans went into it not expecting to win Mm. the one thing I would say that I think is is very much in Arsenal's favour is they are a good cup team Uh, I don't know what it is about this club because I think it goes beyond Arteta goes beyond a lot of these players I think there's maybe something cultural and, you know, a lot of this can be wishy-washy about, about how these players just about switch on when it really matters. You know, they, they tend to turn it around and they've been to Europa League final, the Europa League semi-final last year, consistent winners of the FA Cup. It looks like Arteta will take the League Cup seriously because I'm sure he's looking at the trips Jack has got ahead of him in the Europa Conference League and thinking, yes, get me some of that. Get me Ren away. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think fifth or sixth is a ambitious but potentially achievable goal in the league but I still think for them I think they will be one of the better forces in the cup not least with the FA Cup the team should be a little bit more settled and gelled and they should know each other better by by January as you answer this question Jack what like what are Tottenham supporters feeling about just the conference league as well being part obviously I mean they are technically in Europe but how how much of a value are they seeing in this tournament and Jack, I just remind you that the conference league is available on Paramount Plus to watch. So please tell everyone. <laughs> um, James gets his bonus right there because of that statement. Well done, my friend. I think Tottenham fans are fairly enthusiastic about the competition. To be honest, just because it's football, I'm sure right. that you know the atmosphere was great at the Pacosta Ferreira game. It wasn't full, but the fans who were there were really into it, and I'm sure that will improve over the course of the group stage. My impression, frankly, is that the club is more engaged in Spurs' participation in the Conference League than Nuno is himself. I think from Nuno's perspective, it's just extra games that are distracting him from the Premier League. Whereas for the club, it's an opportunity to fill the stadium up every other week, to you know, to bring money in that way, to grow the brand of the club and get those delicious UEFA coefficient points. So I think, I think the club cares more about it than Nuno does. I think the fans are probably probably more on the on the enthusiastic side in terms of the question of europe 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 for next year i think spurs can probably come fifth if they play well i think that's probably their ceiling for this year just because city chelsea liverpool and manchester united are much better than them uh but i wonder like james whether the cups might be a uh might be a better solution come the end of the season if they don't have the consistency in the league Right. And okay, so let's let's shift it a little bit here and specifically focus on the managers. On one side, you got Mikel Arteta, former player, obviously been there for a little bit while. Nuno Espirito Santo, uh, in many ways, has come as like out of nowhere, right? Because obviously Antonio Conte was in discussions and, you know, there was a piece as well from the Telegraph, I believe, on Paolo Fonseca. Like, just, just so many narratives this summer on, on who was going to take over. Nuno Espirito Santo came into the beginning of it so Jack let's stick with you for a second thoughts on Nuno Spirito Santo so far is he the man to you know to elevate take the club you mentioned obviously that he's not that bothered or at least uh, as focused in the conference league as I guess he would be FA Cup League Cup etc what, what are your makings of Nuno 
I think he's got a really hard job. I think that job is made harder by the fact that everyone knows he was Tottenham's, what, eighth, ninth, tenth choice this summer. Uh, you know, Tottenham initially rejected him when he got when he left Wolves and then came back to him when they'd gone through almost every other available candidate and then decided that, you know, maybe Nuno is the right choice after all. It's also been tough because of, you know, the Harry Kane situation trying to leave and Dombele trying to leave, uh, Paratici coming in, questions about, you know, transfer budgets and all the rest of it. So it has been really tough for him. It's, it's, I, honestly, I think it's far too early to judge in terms of results or style of play. You know, we've seen some games where Tottenham played pretty boringly in 1-1-0. We've seen games where, you know, Tottenham was sensational in the first half against Chelsea and lost 3-0. Um, they were awful against Palace and lost 3-0. So it's, I think at this stage, not just a, not just a season, but a managerial tenure in which there have been so many other extenuating circumstances, not to mention the Dubrovnik three, the three uh, South American players who went on a nice little Adriatic holiday to avoid mandatory hotel quarantine <laughs> this month. It's just like, I just think that Nuno has had so much, so much stuff to deal with that it's been very, very difficult for him. And right now, even though I think Tottenham are not playing well yet, I do think it is too early to judge. I, 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 it's so odd that, that we basically end up saying this about every new manager who comes into his job or has done basically since the end of 2019. You kind of have to go, I have no frame of reference for anything that he's been through. Right. I, mean, I have this with Arteta and I, I, I still think we all forget. It's not just the COVID pandemic. You go right back to uh, Way before that. March of yeah. last year. He was, he was the first high profile victim of COVID in the United Kingdom. Yeah. And I mean, this was, you know, the, the <laughs> I, we were all in the press conference with him a day before the, the pre Man City press conference, a day before it was announced he had COVID. Bizarre. I just remember ringing up sort of comms people at Arsenal going, do you think I have COVID? Uh, that maybe gives you a sense of how, I mean, Arteta's had much, you know, many of these similar challenges and it, it but he has now had, the time that means that someone's going to judge you anyway and it yeah. might end up being premature and it might be not reflective of your potential abilities as a manager but you've been in the job nearly two years that i think that's my point the fact yeah. that you know this is, is it's not it's not a resume or at least it's not a an example of work for that's been five months long it's been two years and not to say that you know arsenal cannot climb up the table more and, and get Europe, et cetera. But we do have a little bit more, I guess, of what Arteta has been doing at Arsenal, regardless of what what, what that is. Uh, Nuno Spirito Santo, I just rely more on, 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 on his work with Wolves, I guess, right? And, and how in many ways... He's kind of a reactive manager, right? He, he he counters, he sits, he waits. You know, with Wolves, he waited a little bit with Raul Jimenez and, uh, and Traore to make sure that they push and aggress. And then, as you mentioned, Jack, in that first half against Chelsea, they were pressing and then they sat. So I guess he's still trying to figure it out. Here's my question to both of you. <laughs> James, I, I, if Arteta were to leave, would you have somebody else that you would think, this is the person that can truly help Arsenal? <laughs> They did club as let me, a whole. Let me, let me put another part to that question. Do you Are you hopeful that Arteta is still the, the man to, to, to continue to lead Arsenal? And if I he is, Arsenal, who would be the person? Arsenal desperately are. I mean, don't forget, uh, a year ago, yeah, Vinay Venkatesham was saying to us all on a conference call, he was saying, I can't imagine Mikel Arteta not being Arsenal manager when he just promoted him after six good months of work. 
you know, if, if you're looking for the club needs someone like Antonio Conte to come in, he, he, I don't know if he'd take the job and I don't think Arsenal would particularly want him and his borderline psychotic standards and willingness to fight with anyone. I mean, that's, it's the antithesis of everything Arsenal are about and therefore it's probably what they need right now. I don't really I think, think many great managers would, would want the job as is. I think to- I think with Tottenham it's slightly different because there is a popular candidate waiting in the wings, so to speak, and that's Mauricio Pochettino. You know, po- a big po- Pochettino was very, very tempted to come back to Tottenham in the summer. The reason he didn't is because of PSG. It's not because of him. Um, Tottenham fans would love this. I don't know how plausible it is this season. One, obviously, he's at PSG and he would have to get fired to be able to take the job. Also, I'm not sure how much it would fit with the new Paratici model. You know, the idea was for Pochettino to come in before Paratici came in. Now that Paratici's in charge, I'm not sure whether he would want Pochettino. So I'm not that confident that, that it will happen, but that's clearly what Spurs fans think. And there is a general sense that because Nuno's only got this two-year deal, that they might well see this as a transitional season and try and go for somebody a bit more ambitious in the next summer, whether that's Pochettino or going back to one of the guys they also looked at last summer, like a Graham Potter or an Eric Ten Hag. We'll just have to wait and see. So let's stick, uh, we're talking about focus now on Harry Kane. Harry Kane, obviously a major talking point uh, this summer. Jack, as I mentioned, you, you wrote about the entire story, basically, do you think, and this is a question to both of you, but you know, beginning with Jack, of course, do you think that the Man City saga and the way that it worked and every and or didn't work and the way that it was done, has that created, you know, some kind of um, irreparable damage to the striker and his relationship with Tottenham? I think the fans have largely forgiven him, not entirely, but largely. Um, certainly, you know, his first start of the season, the the. Uh, the Pachos de Ferreira Conference League game, he was really heavily applauded on. Uh, all the Spurs games I've been in recently, he has been applauded. The fans still love him, uh, even though they are a little bit hurt by the fact that he's obviously wants to leave this summer. I think it's slightly interesting to see how his relationship with the club will continue. Obviously, they offered him a big new contract to stay in August, which Kane said no to. Uh, it's He would still like to go, I think, so it remains to be seen under what circumstances that relationship is repaired? Is there another contract on the table at the end of the next season? Is there interest in Manchester United or Manchester City? So it's not that relationship isn't completely healed, but the fans do forgive him, certainly. Yeah, and I suspect, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jack, a lot of that is because they have had the same complaints with the Tottenham hierarchy that, that Kane has had. They feel, you know, the fans maybe feel like, and I don't know how fair this is, a lot of money was spent, but they're like the 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 champ the moment when they reached the champions league final from there on that was was frittered away a little bit so i guess maybe that's why yeah i, I suppose the other thing is this season one of the things i find so odd about kane it, it, everything we we see from him seems to be just just judged around his goal record which obviously is natural that's what he's very good at and that's why he became one of the most well regarded players in the world but he's doing the same stuff this season that he did last at this early in the season that he's probably doing it a bit slower. He looks at like someone that didn't have a preseason because he didn't, but he's dropping deep to try and create angles and find passes for son. And uh, he's being caned through, sorry, horrible pun. He's being like, you know, is the talking point. Why is he doing this? This is mad. I was just looking at his heat map. His heat map for this season is basically the same as it was for last season. He's doing Harry Kane stuff, but I, and I wonder how he's going to cope with a whole year in the spotlight where everything is about, does he want to be here? Not, 
is he fit is he you know is it a tactical thing it's about mentality which we've we've never asked that question that came before yeah it's interesting i think there are there what james gets at is there's two different issues here one one is kane's position on the pitch and it remains to be seen i think whether nuno will basically do what Mourinho did which is let kane play wherever he wants uh you know we saw in the chelsea game for example he was playing as a kind of inside left or whether he plays as a more conventional nine which is what he did in the wolves Carabao cup game this week uh, I think, you know, there's good arguments on both sides as to which is Kane's best position. What I do think is that Kane, and we have seen glimpses of this in the last two games, Kane is going to have to apply himself a bit more. You know, he didn't he didn't look in the game, for example, when they lost 3-0 at Crystal Palace, but he had a good first half in the Chelsea game. He was good again against Wolves. I think he is getting a bit more physically involved. He doesn't, he doesn't all, when he's, sometimes with Kane, he doesn't always look that fit, that busy, that intense right now. And when he doesn't get get you the goals and assists, then people are going to pick up on that. But I think if we can see a little bit more application from Kane from the Arsenal game and beyond, then there's no reason to suspect that he won't have another good season. You know, he's very motivated by the Jimmy Greaves Tottenham record, the Wayne Rooney England record, the Alan Shearer Premier League record. He wants all those records. He's got to go get. He's got to go and get them now. And of course, this also depends on you know the uh, other outfield players that share the field with him and how they can support him as well. Of course, right? So and Dombele, Deli Ali, etc., and how they can support him and allow him to be the better version of himself. All right, let's move on to the owners here. We mentioned uh, Daniel Levy. You know what, Fabrizio Romano said. I asked him, Jack, um, about you know who was the biggest winner in the transfer window, and straight up he said Tottenham, just because they kept. Harry Kane and 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 they they were able to manage to contain that 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 project. Uh, I, I'm wondering your thoughts about that because yes, it's good that he didn't go. But the ironic thing is, is like Tottenham fans have been pleading for please spend some money and stuff, and he's like, no, we're going to hold on to Harry Kane. What do you make of that? Yeah, so keeping Kane was hugely important, but I think it was quite easy. What was all because City didn't want him that much in the <laughs> end. What was important that they did do was they finally managed to. Uh, refresh the squad, which is something they hadn't done for years. You know, they got rid of all the weird Lamella, Danny Rose left. They brought in uh, Gallini, Gill, Romero, Pat Matasar coming in next year. They've they've kind of changed the, the feel of the squad a bit. It no longer feels like, I mean, for, until recently, it's always felt like you're just watching Tottenham 2015-16 all over again. And it doesn't feel like that again this season. You know, they've, fi- they've finally got some new players. Emerson Royale, they finally got some new players in as well, as well as bringing through, yes, yeah, Oliver Skip, who was on loan at Norwich last year. So in that sense, I think Paratici has rejuvenated the squad in quite an effective way. But they should have signed one more attacking player. They failed to sign another attacking player for the front line. Yeah, I I, I find that Spurs' attacking line has... It, I, I, well, I, th- I think Hill, from the early games and maybe what he did at the Olympics, he could be... There could be something there, but I guess he's always going to be battling with, with Son for minutes. It, it's interesting though that, that kind of both both North London clubs had similar windows, and in fact, I think possibly the only bit of rivalry between two Premier League clubs over over a signing was was the the right backs, or maybe not rivalry might not be the right word, but it was one of the rare times where you saw Premier League clubs shopping in the same market. Um, Arsenal had conversations with Barcelona about a Bellerin uh, Royale swap deal. Spurs were looking at Tommy Asso. I, I thought that for a long time that seemed like that was going to be a deal yeah. that was was done and I think it's always in a, in a way if Fabio Paratici uh, wants to sign a, a Serie A defender it's probably not a bad idea to go and pick him up I think Romero 
might well be one of the the signings of the season. We see this on on the Champions League stuff and our Serie A coverage. Atalanta looked bad defensively without him. It, it, he looks he looks like a linchpin, and yeah. I haven't seen a huge amount of him at Spurs. He's obviously been in and out, as you say, because of international duty. Um, he he is someone that I, I I would get really excited about, perhaps more than Ben White, who is a development project. Romero is is the real deal from an expensive development project Ben wine uh it appears so let's shift to the cronky project then what are you making of that and how are arsenal supporters feeling about it right now i mean it's it, it it has long since got past the stage where anything they can do can really mend mend burnt bridges at this club they took their eye off the ball for years they uh dealt with arsen wenger rather than Ivan Gazidis as chief executive, kept him on perhaps beyond his, his time. And I do understand that's a really hard thing to be the one to say to Arsene Wenger, we don't think you're a good football manager anymore. Um, and so they will, people at Arsenal will always tell you that actually the Cronkies are the sort of owners you would want. And they make quite a tempting point about it because it, it they hire people and let them do the job that they are hired to do. They don't, they don't interfere and of late if you've asked them for money they've said yes sure because they need to give you that money to get back in the champions league to protect the value of their asset yeah but it it's going back to something jack was saying earlier daniel levy gives the impression sometimes to a fl- to a floor that he is very emotionally invested in tottenham's footballing success now you speak to stan and you speak to josh they will tell you that they are emotionally invested but you don't believe them you just don't you don't see them at the ground you don't maybe you don't you know you don't ever hear from them they don't quite know what to say there was a moment in a recent fan forum meeting when he, he kind of josh Cronky rather clumsily spoke about of course the europa league final was a disappointing result but i had a lovely time in baku and it's like <laughs> read the room most arsenal fans wow. spent thousands so of pounds so I'm, I'm wondering how much we'll see of him in the all or nothing uh documentary <laughs> nothing <laughs> the the latter yeah <laughs> yeah i mean say what you like about daniel levy but you know he's been a tottenham fan since he was eight years old right you, you you can't fake that you can't replace that and no no you know that's very difficult for external owners i mean my i'm you know i'm no arsenal expert but my impression of the cronkies is that to run a top-end premier league club right now you know you have to I mean, Liverpool are so smart and Man United are so rich and City are so rich and pretty smart. And Tottenham, I think, are not very rich, but pretty smart for what they do. And Chelsea, you know, Chelsea are a mix of both. And then I don't ask, I think the Cronkies are not rich or smart, really, compared to the you other rivals. You have to live it. The I other think, rivals right? You have against. to live it. You have to understand. You have to be right there in the trenches, I guess. And it's my... I guess, perception that that's not really the cranky way. You have to really be in the trend. I don't know if it helps or not, but to your point about Levy, who emotionally, for better or worse, is so involved with Tottenham, I guess Arsenal could benefit a little bit of that. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure it's, but you know, when, when you say James, that he says things like that in a forum, not reading the room, it's kind of uh, ridiculous to be honest with you. All right. Yeah, they, yeah go ahead. I'll just briefly say they're they're competent owners, but, right? But but ultimately, you know, as Jack was saying, the the, the clubs around them are either the playthings of billionaires or just run perfectly. Mm. And 
Liverpool is the model and Liverpool is proof for both of these teams that you can be a title winner and you have advantages Liverpool don't. You know, you have the huge stadium and you're in London. The, the point with both these teams is they could be Liverpool. Um, and I know for a fact that Josh Kroenke, there was a moment a few years ago where he was like, we're going to be Liverpool. Didn't work. Not as easy as it looks. <laughs> well, let's uh, end this by looking ahead to the game itself as uh, Tottenham and Arsenal face each other in the North London Derby on Sunday. All right. Who needs to win this more? Easy question, maybe, Jack? Well, I'm going to duck it and say the, it, it would be a disaster for either team if they were to lose. Probably even worse for Arsenal simply because they're at home. And I think Arteta is probably under slightly more pressure than Nuno simply by virtue of being there longer. So I'd say it would be worse for Arsenal to lose than for Tottenham. But I fear it could be cagey for that reason. Yeah, I would. I would agree with that. It's almost it's almost worse losing a derby on your home patch, and I don't think it happens all that often of late. I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but I know Spurs haven't won at Arsenal since 2010 because the Arsenal players just can't imagine losing at that. It's so you know for the fans that you would you feel like the world will cave in. I guess for people that are watching and listening to this in the states, you know this is this this is a really close derby. It is. Two, what? No, wait. One stop on the Victoria Line. One stop on the Victoria Line. You know, what, you can Seven walk. Sisters. No, yeah. yeah, Seven Sisters to Finsbury Park. Then you can walk from Finsbury Park. Yeah, you can yeah. walk between it's the two. Is it, very would take, it would take you uh, ninety minutes, maybe. Yeah, you wouldn't enjoy it, but you could. Because <laughs> I used to, li- I used to live equidistant, but I don't know anymore. But I used to live equidistant between the Emirates and White Hart Lane. Okay, and what was that? It was like a it was like a 45, 50 minute walk to either ground. So going on that basis, you could probably walk from one to the other in an hour and a half. Yeah, it's close. It's yeah, like to your point, it's proximity is a is a close one, right? So go ahead, Benji. I, I don't know if you want to finish that thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and although, you know, therefore you are just when you lose, you are exposed compared to maybe even, you know, I'm sure there are examples in, in the States, but obviously when you lose, you are there surrounded by. Yeah, you feel it the whole week. Yeah. You really feel it. Yeah. You're going into work the next day. And it, it, and also it's such a stupid game that if you lose, you've probably, your team have probably done something really dumb. I mean, we were joking about this on the preview pod, but yeah. it's like, if you've lost, it's probably because Thomas Partey just went wandering off the pitch. Or I'm sure Jack knows there are Spurs examples of this as well, that I always feel like it happens more to Arsenal. It's a stupid game that has like stupidly dramatic endings. And that makes it so much worse when you lose it. So yeah, Arsenal will be desperate just not to not to lose, really. Yeah, well, for the neutral, it'll be very interesting. Just an update on the table, by the way, everybody. Tottenham are seventh right now with uh, nine points and Arsenal looking at 13th with six. Obviously still very early in the season. Let's get a, a, any updates from the squads from both sides, Jack. Anything with Tottenham? Obviously there was a midweek uh, Carabao Cup game against Wolves. Uh, anybody uh, came out there uh, looking like they might not play this weekend or is Nuno feeling good uh, health-wise for his squad? Yeah, well, it's tough because so many of the players just aren't fully fit. You know, Caden and Dombele didn't have proper pre-seasons because they tried to leave um, the South America, you know, the South American players came back late. Uh, they're still recovering fitness. Uh, Dyer, Son, both recovering from injuries at the moment. Bergwijn's out. So it's, you know, even if they get a strong looking team onto the field on Sunday, I don't think it's going to be like a hundred percent fresh team. Yeah. Bergwijn out is a, I think it's a, it's, it's a bit of an issue. It would have been great to see him in this one. Bench, anything uh, with Arsenal as they look ahead to this one? 
Yeah, a bit of a hammer blow for them in that Granite Jack is available because that means. <laughs> Unfortunately, Shaq is available. Yeah. But otherwise, it's a, it's a near fu- fully fit squad. Jack is the interesting one. Is on his day, good player, often performs well against Spurs and Chelsea. But then there are the games where he costs you the game emphatically yeah. and indisputably. So they've coped quite well without him. But yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't I'm sure Arsenal, well, Arsenal fans watching the Euros and going, who is this man? Like, yes. it was. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let me be cruel here. I know that you're going to hate me asking you this, but give me a score prediction. Come on, Jack. What is it? What do you see? One all. One all. All right. <laughs> James? Yeah, I'm playing it safe. Although I think it might. I agree with Jack that it should be KG, but it's the North London derby. I would go two all. Yeah, I'm all, going. I'm all. going. Yeah, I'm going with a high scoring draw as well. I don't think I'll go at four all, but I'm going with a. I honestly would not be surprised if this is thrill or something like that. All right. Before we say goodbye, I would love to offer this time for both of you gentlemen to plug anything before we wrap things up. Jack, what's going on ahead with the athletic and yourself? Uh, So we've mainly just been looking forward to this game a lot. Uh, Writing a piece at the moment about Harry Kane and whether or not he should play as a nine or a 10 which is a big debate amongst Spurs fans at the moment. So you, that'll be coming up in the Athletic just before this match. Awesome. James Bench, what do you got coming? Oh, in, in prime content that will delight fans of these two teams, I did a deep dive into why Juventus are really bad at football at the moment. So um, right. it was very fun. Um, but other than that, not, not, nothing North London derby related, sadly. Well, that's awesome, though. I love it. All right, Jack Pitbrook, make sure that you follow him on Twitter and James Bench on Twitter as well. Thank you so much, gentlemen. The North London Derby is this weekend as Tottenham visit Arsenal. Should be a cracking game, but for these two gentlemen, they hate it because it's a stupid one, but we'll see what happens. Uh, we will see you next time. Don't forget to follow us on Kegolasso Pod and youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso. Leave a good rating for us. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, CBS Sports, and your CBS Sports app. Jack, thank you so much for being here, Jack. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. James, I know that I will see you very, very soon. Yeah, you stuck with me, I'm afraid. I am. I am stuck with you, and I love it. We'll see you next time, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.